So today we are going to be looking at the last official session. We're going to have a summary session next week, uh, but today will be the last official session through the systematic theology study that we have been pressing onward through for the last several years. Um, I am so excited about this study. At the same time, I find myself at a place to where it almost feels like too daunting of a task to even attempt. Because what I would love to be able to do would be to tell you of all the wonders and hopes that we will see with our eyes when we look at him face to face. And I would say that of all the descriptions that a man has attempted to give for what we will see there, they have failed to describe the majesties, the beauties, the glory in any way that would come close. The best that we can offer would be a dimly lit picture of what that day will truly be like. And I don't know that I can do any better than any that have attempted it in the past. And sometimes I find that to be a little problematic. Because when you're going through the difficulties in life that you will face on this side there is zero doubt in my mind that if you could but glimpse for a moment those things that we couldn't fully describe in words today that it would shift your perspective of those moments here in such a way that your lives would be lived in a way that the world would look at as foolish. I truly believe that if we could see into that hope, we would live lives different.
we would not hold so tightly to things that we would then know were ugly in comparison. That were so much lesser that they were not worth comparing to those things that we had seen. So let's start with this. I'm going to give you a kind of straightforward definition of what is heaven. And then we're going to look at a couple of uh, places in Scripture where we can see some, some kind of details that are truths about heaven. And then we're going to uh, wrap up today's session with some considerations. I want us to consider some things. Right? So what is heaven? Heaven is a place where God most fully makes known His presence to bless. Right? I'm going to say that again because through this study we have seen that God is present in all places at all times fully and completely. He is omnipresent. Right? So He is here with us today. So we can't simply say that heaven is the place where God is because He's here fully and completely today. But in heaven... God chooses to display Himself to us in a way that is unique. Right? That is, why we, that is why we can say that heaven is a place where God most fully makes known His presence to bless. To bless. So, when you think about heaven, you think about the One who is limitless, whose desire is to bless and not hold back in His blessings. Alright, go with me to... Uh, we're going to look at a couple of different places today. Uh, if you'll flip with me to the book of John, chapter 14. We're going to look here... This is, these are going to be a couple of simple realities that we're going to kind of start with here. Okay? So, heaven is a place. Okay? Heaven is a place. What do I mean by a place? Where are you right now? You're in a place. Okay? So, heaven also is a place. In contrast to heaven being a state of mind or a state of bliss. Right? Heaven is a place. Okay? We, we can see this here um, as Jesus puts this promise down for us in verse 3 of chapter 14 of the book of John. And if I go and prepare a what? A place. I will come again and take or I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So I want us to start with just some of these like facts, laying these things out so that we don't get in our minds these distorted views. So I'm not going to be able to paint for you a perfect picture 
of heaven today. But what I want to do is I want to help you throw away false ideas that might muddy the way that you look at that hope that we have. Okay? So when we say that heaven is a place, I want you to think about where you're sitting now and you're in a place. Right? I want you to consider all of the things that are required for you to be in this place. Okay? I want you to consider that Jesus said here that he was going and preparing a place. Okay? Where is Jesus now then? He's in a place. He's in that place. Right? Okay, what is that place? Heaven. Okay, heaven is a place. And one day, you will step foot in that place. Okay, because as we see in Acts, as Jesus ascends into heaven and the angels are like, go do what he told you to do, quit gazing up into the sky, he's going to come again in the same way that he left. To go to that place, right? He's going to come again. And He's going to take us to be with Him. And we're going to be with Him. Not as disembodied spirits. Not as a state of consciousness. Not as... Name your false idea about what heaven would be. But we are going to be with Him in a place. We're going to be with Him in a place. Heaven is a place. Uh, second truth that I want us to look at uh, real quickly, uh, if you'll turn with me to the book of Luke. Um, this particular text that we're going to look at right here, um, this this text hit me recently. Like it was one I was I was studying and preparing for a, a prior class, and um, this text hit me. And when it did, it hit me in like a it hit me in a different way. Okay, so um, the next point that I want us to look at, uh, we're going to be looking at the fact that we have resurrected bodies. Okay, and um, if, if y'all heard me teach anything about the resurrection, and you all have, um, then I have beat that dead horse to death. And then I've like stood it up and beat that horse again until it fell over. Like, y'all could probably go to the post-resurrection Jesus passages and say exactly the thing that I would say about those things, right? Like, the utter amazement, the fact that he eats fish, that he hangs out, that they recognize him. Y'all have heard all those things, right? Um, It still blows my mind. It still blows my mind. Um, And now it's become one of those things that I've started seeing in other places when I read in the text. And this is one of those other places. Okay, so this is specific towards um, this hope of a resurrection body. Um, So we're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 22. Uh, We're going to... We'll go... I'll go to 14. We've read this really recently. Um, But I'll... There's something about this. Um, There's something about this text. 
that as of late, As of late, I see him more clearly. In this text, than I've seen him in the past when looking at this text. And there's something about this that seems so welcoming and hopeful. Like, there's a promise that he makes here. I'm, I'm going to start back in 14. I was just going to read um, 18, but I'm going to start back in 14. And then the hour came, and he reclined at the table. And we know what hour this is, right? Like, we know what hour this is. And he's reclined at the table, and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He's got an earnest desire. What is his earnest desire here? To go suffer? To be with them. To be with them. To be with them in a place. To share a moment with them. Let it not pass us by. That the one who in that moment was holding all things together, who today holds all things together, desired to have a moment with his friends, knowing what was coming, knowing what was coming. How easy is it for us when we face the troubles of the day, to not be present in the moment. Hmm? Who? Who? So what this tells me, when I consider all that he had, that he knew he had in front of him, is the value that the creator of the universe who holds it together by a word of His power, the value that He placed in that moment. That He would take that moment. That He would not rush it by. That He would be in that moment. Because He valued the men that were with Him at that table. He valued those at the table with Him. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom. In verse 17, he took a cup and then he gave thanks. He said, take this and divide it among yourselves. Verse 18. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God 
comes. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and he had given, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourself. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Jesus earnestly desiring to be with them in this moment. Not looking forward to the trials that were a short moment away, but being present in this moment. Leaves for them a great promise, a great hope. Okay? I could imagine moments in the future after this, after he is ascended and raised, where they're having these meals together. Or perhaps they're having them apart because the work that has been tasked to them to usher in his kingdom to those who had not heard the word yet. And then finding them finding themselves in places that were lonely and dark. Finding themselves in places where there were struggles and trials. And in that moment, them reflecting on the promise that he gave. Something that would seem so simple and small, but that there would come a day that Jesus was he's literally fasting now for this day. Like he is withholding from this fruit of the vine until he sees his boys again in heaven. Like there's something about that. There's something about this. And here's, here's the thing that, that you must consider when you consider this. This is not a promise for them alone. This is a promise for us, right? This is a promise for you. This is a promise for me. That there will be a place that we will be raised in bodies that can sit and eat. And that Jesus will break fast in this regard. Like, you will be there the moment that He fulfills this promise. That the Savior raised, looking out as He has redeemed for Himself a people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue. I can picture Him moving through the crowd. I can picture you and I there with Him as He looks over His prized possession. As he tours the nations. I think about
I think about those that have gone before us who we dearly love. Who He dearly loved. Who will be there on that day. Who will be there in that place. Clothed in bodies that are not broken. That will never die. Truly in Jesus, there are no forever goodbyes. What a great reunion day that that will be. Do you think that he will desire any less earnestly that experience than the one that he had prior to finishing the work that he had come to finish. I imagine that on that day the the joys unspeakable I want us to look at another text let's look at Psalm chapter 145 to consider how unsearchable okay so this is another aspect of us being raised and this is a this is a safeguard that I want us to to place here I don't want us to think when we think about eternity that we will somehow have ourselves become omniscient, all-knowing. We will know truth clearly, but we will still be finite creatures. And when I consider this, and when I consider who God is and who He tells us that He is in His Word, as we see here in Psalm 145, verse 3, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Okay? I'm going to read this again. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. This is a statement that is true today and will be true millions and millions of years after the resurrection. There will never be a moment where you are in heaven and you are like, oh, I just 
bumped up against the edge of what could be known about God in this respect. There's no searching out His greatness. Okay? As I consider this, I I consider how that there will be day after day, successions of days, where you learn something else about the one who created you that makes your heart marvel. This is one of the reasons why it is an absolute impossibility for me to be able to describe to you the wonders of heaven. Because it is unsearchable. We will find ourselves millions of years in. Millions of us, billions of us on this search, exploring the greatness of the God that created us, and all the while, in wonder and awe. We will never find the end of it. There will be no boredom there. There will be no, I've finished this thing there. There will be no moment where you've tried all the things a million times. There's a TV show. I find it humorous. Um, I find it humorous, but I find it theology lacking. This this TV show um, is called The Good Place, and I'm not going to ruin it for you. Um, But when you get to the end of it, if you were to watch it, and you see the way that it ends, any good Christian that knows that the God that we serve is unsearchable would call foul on the end. You did not exhaust the greatness of what He has in store. Could not exhaust the greatness. All right. um, Now let's move to Romans 8. We're going to look at uh, renewed creation. Um, And then I want to give us some time for just considering. Okay, that's that's the best that I'm going to be able to do here is to try to put you in a mindset that you can try and attempt to consider how great it must be. Uh, knowing that, even in that consideration, it will be lacking. So, Romans chapter 8, I'm going to start reading in verse 19. I'm going to go down through verse 22. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Another thing that I want us to consider when we consider heaven is that it's not just heaven. So if it's not enough that the glories of heaven 
would be inexhaustible to you. We're multiplying infinities here. Like, we're doubling down on greatness here. Because if you go to Genesis and you see that he said it was good, it was good, it was very good, then it was good, it was good, it was very good. And heaven is not a ditching. It's a restoring. It's a renewing. It's a bringing back what was good. So if your view of heaven does not include earth, then it's wrong. Then it's wrong. If your view of heaven doesn't include earth and the wonders of this seemingly endless universe, then it's wrong. Then it's wrong. When he restores and renews, and when he joins heaven and earth in a way that we cannot imagine, for me to say that it will be limitless doesn't do justice. It doesn't do justice. Right? Scripture tells us that the beauties, the beauties that you perceive now, right? Which would be the beauties that you tried to use to build a picture of what eternity might be, right? Like, if you're going to describe beauties, how are you going to describe beauties that you have not seen? And yet, the beauties that you have seen, the bucket list items that you have checked off, find themselves today in subjection. They are The beauties that you see today, as beautiful as they might be, are not in their full shining glory. There will be a day where he, he... It is He that's holding creation in subjection, by the way. We've done this. This is Romans. We spent a whole lot of time in Romans. Be reminded that it is He who's holding it in subjection in hope. For that restoration, that resurrection, that moment when we pass from this into the next. And I'm not talking about the intermediate state. We've covered that again. Systematic theology. We are here at the end. He will restore and renew. And what we will see will be so far beyond what we could have ever imagined that if we could but get a glimpse now, it would change the way that we live our lives every single day. I don't think for a moment, I don't think for a moment that it is a surprise that the King of the universe could recline when his greatest and darkest day was moments away. I do not think it was a surprise. 
For the joy set before Him, He knew fully and completely. If we could but glimpse at it. you would not want to come back. This is also why I think that every one of those I was in heaven for a certain amount of time is hogwash. (laughs) Because if you were, you would be dramatically different. You would either be living trying to get there or so utterly depressed because you had seen beauties that everything else failed to, to meet in comparison that it would just be like utter foolishness. You just got out yes, yes, exactly, exactly. You'd be looking to get back. Not here. Not here. You'd be looking to get back there. All right. We've got a few minutes left, and I want us to consider. And this is the text that I go to every single time. Again, this is not a new one. Um, it's just right above where we... Or now, verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. This is the text that I go to every time that I want to consider what that must be like. Right? God is wise, correct? We've learned this in systematic theology. God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He knows the best route from beginning to end. And yet we look around and we oftentimes find ourselves doing what? Questioning. Questioning whether or not that's the case. Why do we question it? Why do we question it? Because we see so much that seems out of place. We see so much evil around us. So much suffering, so many trials. You yourselves, if you're not experiencing experiencing trials now, guaranteed you will. Guaranteed you might, even in this moment, love someone who is. It is... We in this life are living at times what would seem to be in between tragedies. Our good moments seem to be in between tragedies. Okay? I don't ever want you... The world would have you drink away your problems. The world would have you sedate yourselves so that you do not remember so that you do not consider the difficulties of the moments that you find yourselves in today. That's not what I want. That's not what I want for myself. And that's hard to say. That's not what I want for you. Okay? What I would say to you is that when you find yourselves buried under a mountain of struggles. When you find yourself so deep down in the darkness of that well that seems limitless, that seems like 
the clouds will not raise. I want you instead to consider those moments. Consider those moments. And consider that God's Word is true. Again, we're here at the end of systematic theology. We started with the Word. His Word is true and infallible. It shapes us. We don't shape it. So when you find yourself there, in the depths of darkness, consider. Consider. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And as I consider this, as I consider my own good days and bad days, as I consider that mountaintops of life and the tragedies of life, as I consider the moment in life where God by His sovereign hand had me in this very text because He knew the tragedies that were coming for us, as I consider, as I consider this, it helps me. Because the dark days do not get the final word over us. The truth of God's Word does. And what God's Word says to us is consider this. If you find yourself there, consider it. Consider it. Because for you, believer, without question, I don't care what your mind or your heart tells you, there will be a moment in your future this side or the next, where you see the truth of this text crystal clear. Crystal clear. You will find yourself saying, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time or that past time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to me or in that moment has been revealed. To us. In that moment, it is not as though you will have to forget this life. Right? That's what many of our views of heaven involve that. Right? We get this picture of like the heavens and earth are burnt up, and we immediately, like, that's just a throwing away. We can't for the life of us fathom that we would glimpse something so spectacularly glorious that all of those sufferings would be burnt up in the wake of that glory. That is what we have hope for in heaven. Not in a forgetting, because He will forever be the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But there we will know what that means in a way that shakes us for eternity future as we dwell with Him in that place together. His people. His bride. Days without end days without it. Amen? Alright, next week will be
the closing of the systematic theology study. We're just going to do a high-level overview of everything that we've done. <laughs> I hope that we can get it done in an hour. <laughs>